0: Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to this Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Denise Logan, who is also uh, a very famous author in sense and business person and owner as Sally Whisper. How are you doing, Denise?
1: I'm great. Nice to be with you today, Ronan.
0: Thanks very much for being on here. Now, first of all, tell me a bit about your background, Denise.
1: Well, in my early life, I was a mental health professional, and then I became a lawyer. And sometimes I say, if I've been a good mental health professional, maybe I might have saved myself from becoming a lawyer. Yeah. And then over the course of time, I watched that deals were unraveling for all the reasons that were not being said by the owner who was trying to sell their business. And I thought, hmm, what's really happening here? So 10 years ago I spun off and started doing work as the Seller Whisperer.
0: So how did that come about and where did you get that name from?
1: You know, one of the things that I see is that business owners, when they're getting ready to sell their business, there's a lot of emotion that's going on for them. And typically, less than one third of the businesses that attempt to sell actually sell, which is a tragedy in the world to think that you could be a business owner, attempt to sell your business and be unsuccessful. And I saw that a lot of the reasons why that was happening was because the owner would get scared partway through. And they get scared about a number of things. That question, who am I if I'm not the owner of this business? Who am I without this? What will I do with myself? So those were the questions that had me start moving down the path of being the seller whisperer.
0: Yeah, I guess basically if somebody's had a business for so long and it's, it's part of their life, if they sell it, what do they do next? Where do we go from here?
1: And if you think about it, Ronan, every time we meet someone new, one of the first questions they ask us is, what do you do? Yeah. And typically we answer with our profession. If you have identified yourself with your business and suddenly you're about to have no answer to that question, it can be really stressful for an owner.
0: Yeah. I guess just say I'm an entrepreneur you can say that, that could get away with Mm -hmm. it. But then when I ask you, Mm -hmm. what are you entrepreneur in? Or what what a business line would you be in? So it's kind of tricky doing that.
1: Yeah. And one of the, can I tell you a story about an owner? Yeah, please do. So there was an owner, he had a business, it was $85 million he was set to earn from the sale of the business. And Eight weeks before the deal was set to close, he suddenly announced that he needed nine times more money. Well, that's a pretty big chunk. Yeah. So the investment banker called me and said, I think my seller went crazy. I'm like, yeah, sounds like it. Let's see if we can figure out what scared your fella and what hidey hole you might have gone into. Mm-hmm. So the owner's original plan was to sell the business, buy a sailboat and sail around the globe. And, you know, you can get a pretty good boat for $85 million. Yeah. <laughs> so it clearly wasn't about the money. When I got in there and dug around, what I learned was that two weeks before he had asked for this unicorn, his wife said, I'm not doing that. I don't want to be stuck on a boat with you far away from my grandkids. I'm not doing it. And can we agree, Ronan, yeah. he is not going to come back and tell the investment team that he doesn't want to do the deal anymore because his wife won't let him do what he wants yeah, to that's, do. Yeah,
0: that's true. I can see that. Actually. He's
1: never going to do that. So yeah. what he did was ask for more money so that when the deal fell apart, it wouldn't be about him. Yeah. And so when I got involved, what I when I figured out what had happened, I took he and his wife and did separate work with each of them and brought them back together, creating a solution where he would buy the sailboat and sail. And every six weeks, she would take one grandchild, fly to where he was. They do two weeks on land, building memories with the child. Then she would fly home and he would sail on. Boom. The deal was back on track, closed on time at its original asking price, because it wasn't about what it looked like it was about.
0: Yeah. Well, to me, that sounds common sense once you drill down into it and you you realize right away that it wasn't about the money, it was about something else, I was doing it, but you couldn't see what it was because it wasn't showing up right away, but drilling deep down, you found out, hmm, it's something else, it's not the money, but you found out what it was.
1: Right, and for business owners, often, you know, a question that I like to ask them early on is what does work provide for you? Yeah. So if you think about it, money is... The first thing that usually comes up, yeah. of course, it provides money. But we should be able to get somewhere between 10 and 12 distinct answers to that question, what does work provide? So if you think about it, it's a place to go during the day. It's camaraderie. It's um, for many of our business owners, their customers and their employees are their friends. Yeah. And it's power. There are lots of things that work provides. And the reality is that when they sell the business, those needs don't go away.
0: They shouldn't go away because I think the needs sh- should always be there. But
1: Right. And so if all we focus on is how much money they're going to earn from the sale of their business, what naturally happens is close to the end of the transaction, the owner starts to realize, oh, wait, all of these other needs are not going to be met, but they feel some shame around right. it.
0: And you get times when, when, when a business is the owner. So if you sell the business, it won't work unless the owner is still there. And the problem is, if you sell, it to, if we sell a business and you're still there behind the scenes, working behind the scenes, you're still going to think you own it when you don't anymore at times. Right.
1: And that becomes really difficult. If you have a period of time where the owner will transition, like, oh, an earnout period or a period of transition with the new owner becomes really important to clarify which things the owner will still be able to do. I was working on a software transaction on the West coast of the U S and this particular guy, you know, we often think that owners will only exit their business when they're a certain age, maybe in their fifties or sixties or seventies. This young guy was in his thirties. He was selling a software company. And he was set to earn $16 million on the other side of the sale. And one day he realized, who am I going to hang out with? All my buddies have jobs. And so he was out for a drink with his friend and he said that. To which his friend responded, oh, boo-hoo, dude. I wish I had your sad little $16 million problem. You know, that's a natural response for someone to have. But the problem didn't go away. Instead, it just went underground and started surfacing in the deal in all kinds of ways. So one of the things I like to do is help with the advisors, the investment banker, the lawyer, maybe the accountant, the wealth advisor, to realize that for our owner, this is not a transaction. It's a transition for them. And it is probably the biggest transition in their adult professional life.
0: And I'd be looking at, i said, say, okay, hold on, you sold a business. Why not start a new one? You've got more, more money than you had before to fund your business. Start again with something else. You've got the money, you've got the time.
1: It is one of the things that happen. I think if you were to talk to wealth advisors, they would tell you that often an owner sells, and right away they're back into something else. Yeah. And that, that new thing that they go into, they often will overinvest in it because they haven't addressed this underlying issue, the emotional issue of who am I without the business?
0: Yeah. And also because I've got all this money now, they decide, well, it's my money. I can do what I want. I've got nobody else involved, no other investors involved but myself. So if I want to spend $12 million in this business, I will do that. Who's going to stop me?
1: Right. And yeah. the challenge, you know, as I said earlier, only a third of businesses actually sell. Every owner will leave their business at some point, voluntarily or involuntarily. We will leave our businesses. And so if we can create that as an intentional exit where the owner has thought about why they're selling and what they're going to, we don't have them spinning their wheels or reaching a point where I was invited into a really interesting situation. It was a family-run business, Um, grandfather, father, son, owning this business. And the grandfather had pretty much peeled off from the business. And the son said to the father, you'll turn this business over to me by the end of the year, or I'm going to take all the clients and create a competing business and drive you out of business. Well, that's an inartful expression from the son. So what we could view that and think, uh uh-oh, that's just a grubby-handed son trying to steal the business, when I got in, what I learned was that the son had been trying to have this conversation with the father for five years and had basically been getting the hand with the father saying, I'm not talking about it, I'm not talking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, in a family business transition, it can be really important to identify how will the older generation transition this to the
0: next generation. Because you get a scenario where the old generation thinks they know best and they don't want to let go. And when they do let go, you'll still see them come in the office in the morning and chat to the staff as if they're still there. And because of that, work isn't done because they're distracting people from working. And And
1: that's because we haven't thought about what are the needs that this person is getting met from working and how can we get that met? Because, you know, retirement for us, Ronan, will not be like it was for our parents and grandparents. We're not going to be satisfied playing golf and waiting for Wheel of Fortune to come on in the evening and feel like we've had a satisfying life. That is not going to be it for us. And so preparing for it and identifying who am I without this and how will I spend my time?
0: Yeah, because I guess if, as you said, the father and the son are working and suddenly the son takes over, people in the work aren't going to know who's the boss because if the father keeps coming in now and again, what are they going to do? Who, who do they actually And, and if they, uh, the, the father sees someone doing something and goes, No, 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 he said, Should we do it this way? And the father doesn't know that the son has another doing a different practice way of doing things. They're going to wonder well, actually, who is the boss, the father or the son? Who do we respect?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, especially with a family-run business, maybe the the parent might expect that the son or daughter is going to take over the business. So there was a really interesting situation with a private equity firm that was interested in buying this family-run business. And uh, the father was ready to sell. The mother said, oh, no, no, this business is going to go to our son. And I said, oh, and... What is the son in the business now? No, he was a sophomore in college. And so I said, well, have you had that conversation with him? Does he want the business? No one had even had the conversation. So when I met up with him and had the conversation, he said, if I have to get three PhDs to never go into that business, that's what I'm going to do. I don't want to be there. So once we were able to identify the son really didn't want the business, I could do some grief work with the mom to help her let go of that expectation that she had that this dream was going to pass to her child. And once we did that work, they were ready to sell and they got their money and were happy to go on the merry way. So I think there are there's so many reasons why businesses don't sell that we can address in a different way.
0: And again, at times... When you have it, it's a sign that the uh, son or daughter is supposed to live up to the family dictation and run the business, and they don't want to do that. And the family assumes, oh, yeah, they're going off to college to get a qualification, they come back and do this. And in their view, they're going to college to get away from the family business, they don't want to get involved anymore, they've had enough it. it's not them, it's not for them, I don't want to do this.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating piece of, you know, how a business transitions. And if you think about it, well, let's talk about what happens with a financial advisor, for example. Mm -hmm. They'll be planning ahead for their client to have a wealth event, right? When you sell the business, here's how much we think you're going to get for the business, and then we'll manage it as your investment portfolio. The challenge is, if they don't sell the business, there is no wealth for that family to yeah. use for their dreams. So it's not as if um, we can just go on and say, oh, well, if the business doesn't sell. If the business doesn't sell, there's an impact on that owner, their family, their employees, and their community. It's a huge aspect. And in that deal community, typically we all have a, a, a banker or a business broker, a lawyer, a wealth manager, an accountant. There are a lot of professionals who are helping to make the transaction happen. Yeah. I'm focused on how do we keep the emotion in check? Because emotion is always coming up in every transition that we have. And we can relate that to what's happening now in our coronavirus time. right? All of the uncertainty triggers lots of fear and makes us behave emotionally, perhaps rationally, often irrationally.
0: Because, you guys, if you think business is your baby... And you finally got to let go. But it's like when your first child goes to school, first day in school, you're emotional about it. And with this business, you're emotional, letting it, letting it go free to somebody else. Thinking, how will it cope with that me being there? It's all about emotions. That's- and it's hard to... And uh, with, with humans, it's hard to understand. Each human different emotions. Yeah.
1: And I think the, the going off to school is such a relevant example, Ronan. Because, yeah. you know, we don't wait until our children turn 18. To prepare them to leave, we don't wake up on their 18th birthday and say, So, what are you going to do with yourself? We prepare them to launch. Yeah. And yet, there is some kind of myth that we've created that somehow a business owner will know intuitively how to launch, how to leave their business. And that's just not true. So, if we can help them prepare, for how to let go, they will do it gracefully and they will leave their business without regret because there's something horrible about an owner who sells their business and then feels remorse about selling it. And we can do a better job of preparing them so that they step into the next chapter of their life willingly and really with vigor.
0: Because I remember when I got school, yeah, school, a counselor. And they would, they would tell you, uh, you explain them what you want to do when you're older, and they would go through and tell you what options you have. And you need somebody like me and say, because you go through with you walk through what you're doing and tell them, this is nice, how was going to be. And you've got choices of A, B, and C. Which choice do you prefer? Right, and how can you see yourself yeah. in the
1: next realm? Often what we see happening in the sale of a business is that everyone is focused on the economics of it, how much money they will make. And money can be a good motivator. But when these emotional issues come up, as they inevitably will, it's about what the person is going toward. Yeah. And so what is this next chapter in their life? What are they moving forward to? So I'll often hear someone say, well, I'll, I'll travel. And I go, hmm. That's good. Where? Let's map out where will be your first trip. When will it happen? How long will you be on that trip? What will the next trip be? Who will go with you? How will you get there? Those become very real and tangible elements to pull someone toward their exit when the time comes that they get scared. And it's natural that in the process of letting go, you can even think about it with a house, right, when you move house. You're excited to go to the new house and then all of a sudden on that last day when you're ready to leave, you think, oh, I don't know if I want to leave this house. I kind of liked it here. And even then you move to the new house and you realize, wait, where's the dry cleaner I used to use? Or there's no, the grocery store I used to go to or all of those familiar things. And that is what our owners struggle with. And if we don't Take that into account and really prepare them for it and prepare ourselves to be emotionally present with them. The deal will fall apart, and often what happens is the professionals start forcing. And you know in your life how well it works when someone starts forcing you.
0: Yes, like if you got a house or a business, you remember this is where memories are, this is where our first child grew up, and then you with business, you might say, This is where I made my first million this is where I achieved this milestone and suddenly that clocking be there anymore. I can't suddenly go in and see where I made this milestone or where I did this or where I did that. It's kind of strange, but that's the way it is, isn't it?
1: It absolutely is. And with, we do a lot to celebrate a grand opening of a business because we're excited about that. But think about what it's like as an owner is exiting, yeah. their business. Maybe the business will be taken over by someone else. And do we celebrate that milestone for them? Typically all we celebrate is how much money they got and there's more to the heart of what's happening for a business owner in that time.
0: Yeah. To me, it's more than money. It's also, uh, what you invested in there and are you getting a return in that investment? And also do you get more time to do what you want to do in life or not? Cause when are people who actually sell a business, and the workaholics, suddenly they're they left like when my father retired, for example, he used to he worked a lot of hours right now. What, what does he do with his time? How do you how do you fill that void?
1: Owners often tell me that it feels like a black hole that yeah. they are approaching. And we do, Just like I said, in no other part of our life do we know there is a transition coming and allow ourselves to be left like a black hole. Yeah. So I think I'll often hear the deal professionals in a transaction talk about how they have to be part-time therapists or part-time psychologists to make a deal close. And they will typically say that with... Um, Kind of some humor, but also like they don't like having to do that job. And this is an emotional transition for our owners. If we're able to be present with them, they actually close. Yeah. And they go unhappy. And for an advisor who might be listening to the show, for every single owner who happily transitions, they become your best referral source. They are the ones that tell all of their friends, that you were the person who helped them
0: fulfill their dream. That's marketing. I guess you could say, just my a business psychologist, he helped me see it through to the end. And, and uh, when I when I had this, a problem, a, a block I was going through, this person, Denise, helped me get over that line because she could see through what was going on in my head. She could read my mind and help me get over that.
1: And a lot of the things that our owners face are really predictable. You know, another example is the very first time we poke at financials when the business is being valued, our owner will be filled with shame and warning them in advance and being able to say this is likely to happen. An owner will inevitably say to me, I have nothing to be ashamed of. I'm like, I know. And it's not about being ashamed. It's the fact that this owner has been the person who has known everything about their business. Yeah. And now a stranger is going to come poking around and they're worried, what if there's something I didn't know? What if there's something they find? And the curious part about how that plays out in a deal is that the owner will start to act um, a little squirrely yeah. at the time that we start poking at financials and whoever is doing the due diligence on the transaction sees that squirrely behavior and assumes there's something wrong. When what's wrong is the person feels scared, not scared because there's something wrong, scared because they're used to being the person in the know.
0: Yeah. You know, maybe they're scared too, because uh, when you look at the financials, they might they might be making not enough money. I mean, maybe to them it's enough money, but to the person buying it over, they'll be wondering, why don't you doing more business than you are? What well, stopped you making more money? And then they get twirled because they're suddenly realizing this person now now thinks I'm not like a good business person. What I would say, well, obviously, you are because you're making money. They want to buy you out. So that's something.
1: And all of those feelings that we have when it feels like someone is judging us for our baby, right? If someone says your baby's ugly, none of us like to hear our baby is ugly. And so for our, there was a really interesting gal who I heard speak at a conference and she referred to it as business owners as bimbos. Uh, The baby is my business owner. And for lots of owners, that's absolutely correct. So I've been focused for the last several years on not only supporting owners, but how can we help the advisors in every transaction understand more about what the owner is going through? because. It would be fine to work on lots of transactions myself. I would love that. But more important is how do we help advisors understand what's going on so that they can be more helpful and more deals will close. That's good for them, and it's good for our owners.
0: Well, that could be a good tagline. I have bimbos every day in my life. (laughs)
1: I think that might get me a whole different audience. When people
0: ask me what you do. we say, well, I have bimbos every day. And that's it. And then when they deep get into it, they find out what it is. But it it makes, it could be like if you're at a dinner party, ask, what do you do? I have bimbos every day. What do you do? And then... <laughs> something like basically, that's pretty
1: funny.
0: Yeah, but it comes down to what kind of stand there because people think and they go, oh, wow. And then when we know what a stands for, they go, oh, I get right. it. They don't know at first and they think of something else. and uh, But... I think basically that used to cause you get business people who actually uh because they're so attached to it, it's hard to let go. Like Absolutely. when you when you're when you're going to first aid school and you you know hold held close to your mother. suddenly your mother tells you, bye, go away and you you're walking away in the kitchen rent and the kids kid sees the mother crying because the kid's first aid school and she's not used to that. Suddenly she's home alone. She, she that's the firstborn. And what do I do now? I've got nothing to do all day, but watch daytime TV, don't want to watch that. What, what else can I be doing? And then the baby's sitting there and the mother crying and she's wondering what's going on. That makes the baby sad or a child sad because of that. Because they're seeing the person they they're attached to emotionally get emotional too. And they're not and they're still learning. And when their brain's learning that they, they, they still don't know that was twenty years later, they would know why the mother was crying. Back then they've no idea why the mother was crying. So same with a business owner. They're kind of get uh, sad to let go of the business, but they have to in some cases.
1: Yeah, and often I'll hear an owner say, I'm not going to leave. I'll just die at my desk. Well, that is no life to have lived, to die at your desk. And either way, you will leave your business. So why not make that be a planned for exit?
0: Uh, Like imagine in your epitaph on your funeral headstone, he died at his desk the way he wanted to die. And um, think
1: about how that, yeah, that message that it's sending to your yeah. family, that it's the only place you feel fulfilled is at work. That's a horrible message to be living.
0: And that's the scenario where you're going to end up with somebody who's married five times because of that. Because if he's not home with his, with his family that much, he's going to marry again. Like, I've seen business people who've done that, who have had four or five wives, all because work was was all consuming. And then they were going, oh, my wife and my family... Didn't get it. So what did he go and do? I'll get a new family and start again. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. So four times later. And you hear other people in business who actually have not even been married once, but they made sure the wife and family were part of the ride. So when they went along with it, they were involved all the way, as much as possible. Yeah,
1: it's way cheaper to do this work than to yeah. pay for multiple uh, alimony payments in your life. Yeah,
0: I'm thinking something like Richard Branson, for example. Richard Branson, what he's done in his home business his family's involved in certain ways, but he's also made sure whatever he's done, they're behind him in some way, and they're not left out of it, which is great. And then I'm looking at something like uh, other business people, like uh, R- Rupert Murdoch, who's married more than once, Donald Trump married more than once. So you get two kind of people who married once and more than once. And more than once, you could tell they're the workaholics whose family didn't, didn't get what they were doing, and they didn't get them involved as such.
1: There are lots of things that can cause an owner to have a hard time letting go. Sometimes I'll hear them say something like, I call it the oh my syndrome, one more year. And usually when I hear an owner say that, uh, just one more year or just five more years, um, unless they can identify specifically what will be different one year from now, I know that we've hit one of those blips, one of those emotional blips where they're wondering
0: what will I do with myself? Because I find and that sometimes so, you have a scenario where a husband is working so hard he hardly sees his wife anymore. Suddenly he's seeing her every day. He's not. He's not used to that. He's used to working. They're both not used to. Yeah. That. And mm-hmm. she's probably used to the fact that if he's there, if the business is doing well, she can go to shopping and do a lot of things. Then suddenly he's home, and he's not probably keeping cross in the credit card bill than before because he's home. there he sees what's going on, and he, she's not used to that. He's not used to, how do I handle, have been around there, because I'm, I'm most used to seeing her day and day, and I'm seeing her at night time, and then that's about it, In the morning i we'll wake up, but nothing much else. And suddenly they've got a scenario, and the kids are, are now basically uh, around the house. He's not used to that either. How do I deal with my, my children, because I don't see much. How do we know Bond, because I've been so much time working. What do we do to Bond? And that's a, that is so sad, and
1: it doesn't have to be that way. You know, it's part of why I wrote the book, The Seller's Journey.
0: Yeah.
1: That that book, so it is written as a business fable. It's the story of an owner one year after he sells his business. He goes on a trip across Glacier National Park with his banker, his lawyer, his wealth manager, and the buyer who bought his firm. And as they're crossing the glacier, They use the physical obstacles that they're facing and relate those back to the emotional obstacles that he had to go through to be able to let go of his business. And I wrote it that way as opposed to being a prescriptive how-to book because I wanted an owner to be able to see themselves in the process and what it's like on the other side. Because for so many owners, all of the things we've talked about are things they worry about but have no one to talk to about it. And it's also designed as a tool for each of those advisors who are involved in the process of helping to sell a business to be able to give that book to their client, to their prospect, to be able to say, this is what it will be like. And I care enough about you to be there with you. And that's why I wrote the book that way. It was such a
0: fun project. So it's kind of like the 10 commandments of what you should do.
1: Yeah. And, and it,
0: that's what you want. Because nowadays when you get a book, if the book tells you you're like a you' guy or 10 commandments of, of how to do things, and you, you follow those steps, or rules, you can't go wrong.
1: Yeah. And, and this is really a story for you to be able to fall into. I often hear from owners when they read the book or from advisors, oh, that's what I'm feeling. Or that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. I didn't have words for it. And that's what we're doing with the book is helping an owner and their advisors to see what are the obstacles that a successful business owner might face that makes it hard for them to let go. Because in the end, what we really want is people who have committed their entire life to building a business to be able to successfully harvest that wealth. And go on without regrets into the next chapter of
0: their life. Yeah, and I guess because in this book they see scenarios that they face themselves, say, no, I'm not alone. I didn't know how to describe it, but this book described it in language that I understand I can tell my family and friends and everything else, and people advised advising me about it. It's great to know that I'm not the only one going through it.
1: Yeah, it normalizes the process yeah. of what almost every owner. Experiences some part of this as they're preparing to let go, and while everyone else is just talking to them about the money, when these issues come up, they can say, "Oh, I know that. I recognize that. I've felt that before."
0: Because at times, if you don't recognize it, they're going to make mistakes, and, you don't, and that, that's going to pin your thing. So maybe the deal could be off because they made a mistake because they didn't understand what was going on.
1: And nothing is worse for an owner than attempting to sell their business and being unsuccessful. It is harmful for them. And the likelihood that they will be able to come back to the market and sell it a second time is really low. And with less than one third of all deals that go to the market closing, we have to do better. And that's why I read the book as a way to do better, to be able to help more owners sell their businesses quickly and step into the next chapter of their life
0: happy. Yeah, I guess what it's like when you're getting married, you have last minute nerves. And this book more, more says, so, yeah, all, we, all get the, we all get these issues coming through, these last minute nerves. And when you're getting married, and a lot of people who've got married and they've had last minute nerves because they're not sure what they're expecting and thinking, tomorrow I'm not going to be a free man. I'm going to be up with somebody else in my life. I'm not going to be my own boss anymore. And suddenly, when it's in a business, I'm not own boss anymore. What do we do with my life now? It's, life has changed.
1: Right. And they'll look at their spouse and say, wow, who are you? Yeah. What will we do together? So we're going to prepare them and help them know that the money is important and so is making sure that they know what they're going to next.
0: Yeah, and also to make sure that when they're going through this, they maximize the money they're getting so they're not, they're not just – it's not all for the money, but make sure it's not been sold off uh, just get rid of it. And make sure they, get, they maximize their return so they can then go and enjoy the next chapter in their lives.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly.
0: But if you're in a scenario where you kept saying for years and years, like you said, oh, oh you're in oh my scenario, one more year, and then finally your wife says, wait, for the past 10 years, you said, oh my, now you're going to sell it. And suddenly they decide, okay, first price I get, I'll sell, which, which isn't the right way to do it. With your help and your book, they can make sure that it's sold for the right price and they walk away happy.
1: Right. And selling because someone else is pressuring you, that's that's a stressful way to have to go through the process. So um, sometimes what I've seen is that a family member has bought the book and shared it with the owner of the business to be able to say, dad, I think this might be helpful. For you. Yeah. I see what you might be struggling with in letting go. Because we're not going to pry a business out of someone's hands. That's harmful. Instead, what we want to do is help them to step forward by understanding and being really caring about what they're feeling in the process.
0: And also, I guess, make sure they don't do Frank Sinatra and do it my way. They do it properly. Right. Because I've seen scenarios where some inside the business and then afterwards have had regrets what they've done. And I'm thinking, hold on, that was my way. You had regrets, you had a few, but the problem is you, you did it the wrong way. You didn't listen to advice that you were given. That was it. Yeah, and
1: regret is a horrible thing for a business owner yeah. to live with.
0: Especially when, when he realizes that, that uh, oh, I, I, should, I should have done it another way, and, uh, but you didn't, and then, and then they keep thinking about that. And the whole life is based on that one thing they, could have, they didn't do, the what-if scenario. Yeah.
1: And often an owner will know someone who exited their business and was unhappy and they worry about that happening for them. And so they'll say, I just won't leave. One of the ways I know an owner is struggling is I'll hear them say, well, if I leave my business or if I ever sell, and I always say, it's not if, it's when. Yeah. Because we will leave our businesses, even if we go the way of feet first because we wait and die at our desk. And that is just no way to live our life. So planning for the future and being able to say, when I leave my business, this is what will happen.
0: Yeah. And make sure if you're going to leave either planned succession or, you, or, or you, you planned where it's going to go next, so that way, you don't worry about what's going to happen because you've made sure, oh, it's going to be sold on, or oh, my children are going to take it on, it's something else, but you make sure it's in good hands.
1: Yeah, and having those conversations early and often yeah. are the keys.
0: And if you do realize that those conversations that your children don't want to get involved, and then you look around and ask, who else wants to get involved? No one wants to get involved to you, then you go, okay, it's fine. I'm going to sell it on. You've got that thing to worry about because where's the worst Worst thing you're worrying about is, do my family want to get involved or not? How do I go about doing that? And that talk, is the most important talk in life is telling your family, do you want to get involved or not get involved? If you don't, I'll it on, but if you do, it's yours.
1: There's an interesting story in the book about a character who um, is waiting for his grandson to agree to take on the business when his grandson has no intention of doing that. And as a result, he's in his 80s, still waiting and hoping and I think kind of guilting the grandson into taking the business. And it doesn't work that way. It's better to have the conversation and know, do you want it? Is this right for you? And if not, then let's work together to find the right owner so that you can harvest that wealth and be able to go on into a better part of your life.
0: And I guess to look back and think, well, my baby's now in a better place. They're in a new doctor mm-hmm. at home and somebody that can look after it and nurture it and make it grow or keep it the way it is, the way it's been growing. Right. Because a lot of times when somebody's business, if it's a mom-and-pop business that they're buying, they want to make sure that that, that, that uh, environment is still there. So the new owner's got to make sure that environment is still kept part of it. So when the customers come in, they used use guess mom-and-pop environment going in there and enjoying themselves. And suddenly, they realize that's gone. That's lost its soul. Yeah, that is so true. I guess Those are the
1: things that can keep an owner from feeling like they want to sell because they don't know how to do it and they don't know how, what they'll feel on the other side.
0: Well, to me, I think that mainly maybe a restaurant, the beer has been owned by a mom and pop, they owned it. And then suddenly they shouldn't know to get involved or they're not happy with it. And then when they're trying to sell it on, how do you make sure the mom and pop environment still stays there and the customer you have will still come back because they used that homely environment?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting piece because let's put this in the context of um, either an attorney or a wealth advisor who's representing that family, right? How do we get them to have the conversations that they need to have so you understand what's preventing them from letting go? And the book is designed to do that. It's designed to help an advisor say, oh, I see what they're feeling and not poo-pooing. The experience or the worries that that owner has, but saying, "Oh, it's important to you that this stays as a family feel to yeah. the business." We can do that if we don't. Uh, if we don't explore what's happening that keeps our owners stuck, they'll never solve the business, yeah. and the impact on the family and the impact on the community is huge. Whenever a business fails, that is a tragedy for for
0: our lives. I've seen in TV a show with Gordon Ramsay the chef and he goes into a mm-hmm. restaurant and try and, and, and bring it round again to its former glory. A lot of it are owned by families and the worst thing you see is family rows in, in front <laughs> house and behind house and then after a while, in the, in the end of the, of the show, the restaurant seems to be pulling together and doing very well. But Then if you go and research online you'll find out that since that show aired a year later, it closed down because there's more rows and it happens. And yeah. very rarely you see that happening. And I'm thinking, same with, I'm thinking, well, with someone like you helping them along the way, there's more chance that will happen because you'll be able to see all sides what's going on. And, so and the argument TV.
1: is never about what it looks like. It's about yeah, right. And we know that in our own lives that often there are circular arguments that continue to come up again and again. And when we remind ourselves, oh, what's really under there? What is the fear that's yeah. on top? And can we unravel the fear to get at what the real issue is underneath?
0: Yeah, and I guess with these TV shows, they're always going to pick the ones on a good TV. And you're never going to get a restaurant that suddenly uh, problems are on that major and then suddenly uh, they don't to fix it. It's always the ones that are really working scenario. What I find last in the kitchen, I find people smoking kitchen. I find things shouldn't be there, the food's too old. You're never going to find something that's very easy to fix and then you're always going to find a scenario where, where the father is supposed to be semi-retired but he's too much influence in the business. Well, and here's the goal, to
1: never be a business that is featured on one of those reality television shows. I think that should be every owner's goal. Let me not mess with my business so much that someone wants to make a reality TV show out of it.
0: Yeah, and also I've heard us in the past, never go into business uh, with family, because that's where Mm a problem starts. So in this is and yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: That's right. If you want to go into business with your family... The first pieces are making sure that you know why you're in business together. Because just making it because we're family probably isn't a
0: successful plan. Yeah, I'm thinking of if you go back in history of all these famous families like the Rockefellers, etc. and different families who've had had lots of money and they've tried to get the children involved. Children don't want to get involved because they trust fund babies and aren't just working. And then you get another scenario where uh, you're starting a business from scratch with family members. That's Again, can be tough as well. Both of them are both different scenarios, but have their issues too.
1: Sometimes children don't want to be involved in the business because they've, instead of it being an entitlement issue for them, it's no, I saw how that stripped my parent of the ability to build a relationship with me. Yeah. So it's almost like they can become jealous of the business because the business becomes the favored child. We hear people talk about their work as their mistress. Well, to a child whose parent has been over invested in their business to the expense of building a relationship with them, there can definitely be resentment and why you would not want to take on a business that was the favored child.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking of someone like uh the the the, the Gettys and what they went through and I've seen movies that based on their life story when when the Getty's when John Paul Getty's grandson got kidnapped. And how, how he was how he reacted to it and everything, I'm thinking That's not normal, the way he reacted.
1: And and we can tell that that wasn't at all about the money, even though, I mean, I, I know I watched that show, and it looked like he was just being a miser and holding on to the money, but it was so much more about an emotional issue that was raging under there that everyone just talked about the money. They should have dug into what was really going on emotionally for
0: him. But for me, when you look in the house, and the house had a payphone. You're thinking, why is there a payphone in the house when you can do when you can when you can afford? He you, you doesn't worry about it, but everything being was counted. And I'm sitting there going, "That's something I didn't quite I, I didn't quite get." I'm thinking, if you ever got stage, I was going to be as rich as him. The last thing on mine would be being counting. I wouldn't care about that. Yeah, I guess it's something that basically businesses all size uh, sizes and shapes and all that are going to have their their issues. Be money, or be something else, and something else. And if any way you can go in and help alleviate that issue, and try and sort it out, and see what's going on, and try and, and be there, Sigmund Freud, and come in inside deep down, what's going on, and how can I, how can I solve this problem you have?
1: Yeah, because we care about them, yeah. and we want them to be able to go on to have a happy life from the business that they've poured all of their life and energy into.
0: And the worst thing is when they tell you what problem. They don't see a problem. But the problem is when you're looking inside from the outside, it's an in, you can see what's going on that they can't see. They're so engrossed in themselves, they don't really know what's going on outside. Right. And you can, and Denise, well, that's the one ability to have is able to do that and say, actually, with a microscope, I can see, oh, in this part of business, this isn't doing well. That's doing very well. The problem is, the one that's doing very well, that's the one that's doing very badly. You've got to decide what you're going to do with this. My advice: for you, one student doing very badly, you either restructure it or shut it down because you can't keep going because you you're bleeding money from other areas. So, anything yeah. else you want to add to the podcast, or you think you've said enough? Because I think this is very enlightening, and I enjoyed this great chat. Yeah, I
1: enjoyed it very much.
0: And it's great to see so hear somebody talk about about this having worked as a lawyer and also. Previously working mental health, you, you, you've seen both sides of the coin. Because when you're doing a business deal, the best person to be somebody you can mentally see what you're going to think, what you're going to do next, have an idea what they're thinking and how they can and get an empathy and make that person uh, feel human again. Yeah, it's
1: about caring for our clients enough to help them when they feel stuck.
0: Yeah, because some so. of you are caring and sharing. And if you can help somebody feel reassured and, and know that basically, yeah, what you're going through is normal. Everyone goes through that. Be be it wedding day jitters, be it you can't get rid of your baby going to school, or, or be it basically selling your business. We all go through this. It's not. It's normal.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. Such my pleasure to be with you today.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, Lisa, and, Uh have a great day and good luck with the weather and hopefully the pandemic ends for you guys very soon. And, uh, great. I'll
1: send. I'll send you some information later so you can post.
0: All right. Thanks very much. Take care. Be well. You too. Bye. Bye, bye. 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 Bye.